It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. It is hump day. It is Wednesday, if you call it that. It is time for the Raider Nation mailbag here on Silver and Black today, hosted by yours truly, Scott Branson, along with my partner, Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Beach Bleacher Report, excuse me, and also the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and I am at L-V Gully Mo. <laughs> We not only missed you, it was glad to have you back yesterday for your first show in about three and a half weeks, and now you get to jump right back in the mail. We have so much fun with this mailbag show because we get really good questions, um, and I don't just leave out questions like if we got really bad or kind of crazy questions, I might ask them. Now, we get some of those food questions. We get women asking you for dates occasionally, um, but other than that... This is always great because it shows the intelligence and I think where Raider Nation thinks and not the wackos on Twitter, but actual real Raider fans who have good things to say. If people don't want to know why I was really out for three weeks, I actually <laughs> had a sushi date and whoever, you know, the person I was on a date with got me sick. Oh no! Uh, there, was, there, was, there was a transpiration of, of germs and Uh-oh. I got sick and I had to uh, recover. So there, there's a story behind it. Well, that's why you have to practice safe sushi. I mean, come on. <laughs> you got to be careful out there, Mo. I mean, let's let's be careful. We don't want to do that. But we're, we're, we're so glad to be. And I have to say that, too. You know, uh, we talked yesterday about how Devontae Adams, uh, some people think Devontae Adams wouldn't play for the Raiders if Derek Carr left the Raiders. I can honestly say I have not. I, I've had some great, great co-hosts, including Q Myers, who you guys all know from Raider Fan Radio, who's a great guy and a good friend and still love what he's doing. But I've never enjoyed the show as much as I do doing it with Mo. So having him back. And it was so funny, too. And I did not take this the wrong way because I think our interactions are what make this show great. Right. And so I had some people say, hey, you know what? You're not doing a bad job on your own filling in when Mo's gone. And I, and I and you could take that as like a backhanded compliment, but I actually loved it. I was like, hey, you know, believe me, I, I don't like to. There's some radio hosts and some radio hosts talk about how, well, if you're really talented, you can just do your show on your own. And I don't doubt that it takes a lot to carry a show, especially if you're doing like a daily show for three hours a day or something like that. But for me, I love the interaction. And the interaction you and I have together, that's what I get. The, I get so much enjoyment out of that. And then, of course, the enjoyment of, of the listeners and viewers. And it's different for everybody. But I, I would never want to do it all by myself. I, that's why I've always had co-hosts. And they've revolved a little bit. Yes, absolutely. We had to get Kelly out because Kelly was, you know, giving me too much crap about my age. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> he's still obviously still a good friend of ours and beat me in fantasy football this past week. Uh uh, as I continue to fade. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's great to have you back. And I know the listeners, they sent in some questions and I got two that are specifically addressed to you. They knew you were coming back. 
So they're like, we're going to put him to work. We're going to give him questions. Scott, you don't matter. It's Mo's question. Okay, so we're going to do that right now. So let's jump in. And of course, something we haven't talked about in a long time, and, and I'm shocked that this question came. It has to deal with Derek Carr. Oh, that's I something mean, we haven't nobody, spoke about in a while. No, nobody yeah. talks about Derek Carr. All right, so here it is. This is Mo. Uh, you said Carr was most likely, uh, would most likely be back. Um, mm-hmm. I did and, say that. Yes, be back. And and if you're right and the Raiders plan, what is the, excuse me, if you're right, what is the Raiders plan at QB for the future then uh, if they're not going to take a quarterback high in this draft if they finish in the top 10? Uh, Dave in Los Angeles. So what he's basically saying there, Mo, and Dave in Los Angeles, thank you for the question, is he's saying, okay, so if it's true what you said and what we talked about on yesterday's show, that all the signs point to Derek Carr coming back, which means he'd have three years left on his contract and, and be the Raiders franchise quarterback for that time. Um, what do the Raiders do? And I've been saying this on the show a lot lately, Mo, which is even if they keep Derek Carr, they have to make a plan for the future. Um, now, it doesn't mean they have to get a quarterback this year, but it's a deep class, including outside the first round. I know we all we talk about is the first round. You talk about Will Levis falling out of the first round, which I agree with. But what do the Raiders do then if they keep Derek Carr? Does that mean that they don't go get a quarterback uh, and that people shouldn't read too much into it? Or what do you feel like the Raiders may do there to plan for the future? Now, I've said this on Twitter that just because I think Derek Carr is going to get year 10 in Vegas doesn't mean that the Raiders don't get a quarterback. By the way, Jared, Jared Stidham has an expiring contract. <laughs> so you're not going to go into the season with one with one quarterback. So I think what you're going to see is what the Patriots have done uh, with Joshua Daniels and Bill Belichick is every so often you draft a quarterback, maybe not in the first or second or third round because you got holes to fill and you got needs, but maybe in the fourth round. Uh, Jared Stidham was, a, I believe, a fourth round out of Auburn. Uh, Billy Zappi, I, I know, I know Joshua Daniels isn't there right now, but the Patriots drafted Bailey Zappi, and then people said, well, they got Mac Jones. Why would they draft Bailey Zappi? And look what happened with the Patriots' quarterback position early in the season. There was a point where you didn't know who was the better quarterback, Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, for a stretch. Of course, Mac Jones now has a hold on that starting job, but there was there was a few games where Bailey Zappi came in and played, played pretty well. Uh, so I, I think you're going to see more of that. They're just going to revolve the backup position with a mixture of rookies and veterans. I believe Joshua Daniels said this when he got the job. He said it's always important to have a developmental quarterback because you just never know when that guy will have to play or when you're going to have to turn over the reins to that player. That's Those are my words. But I'm sure that's what he means by just having a, a developmental quarterback on the roster that you can continue to develop over time because that guy could, again, come in for games when Derek Carr goes down. Derek Carr is super tough. Took a shot in the ribs on Sunday. Missed, I believe, one play. But Jared came in, he was back on the field. So, But just in case, you always want to have a good backup, and I think they'll mm-hmm. continue to revolve that door. Maybe it's not Jared Stidham next year. Maybe they like a quarterback coming out of the draft. As I said, Hooker tore his ACL. Now, I yeah. still think he could go day two, even with the torn ACL, because he had such a good season out of Tennessee. Yeah. But let's say he falls to the fourth round for whatever reason. You know, let's say this is like a Malik Willis situation last year where he's at the end of the third round. The Raiders like the guy at the end of the third round. I wouldn't rule out the Raiders drafting a quarterback that they actually really like and they want to develop over time. Yeah, and I think that's where people get the misnomer that if they're going to get their quarterback of the future, it has to be a top guy. What what I love to see C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young in a Raider uniform, sure I would, but that's not going to happen most likely. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to get a guy on day two 
that could end up being your guy long term, especially if he gets a couple years under uh, under um, a Derek Carr. Uh, and, and I mean, even look at Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes had the Alex Smith uh, kind of tutor him a little bit, and, and he was going to come out. And I know it's not fair to compare others to Patrick Mahomes, but, but still, it goes to show you that in the NFL, and I think the NFL is learning, yes, you have guys who can come right out and start, but we've, we've seen the, <laughs> the experiment with the Jets in New York, right? Mm. Which hasn't worked out. A lot of these guys who come out, and I don't know that it's doing them justice either. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts, okay? Look at Tua. A lot of these guys were written off. They're bust. They're this. They're that. They got some time to kind of get their get their feet underneath them in the pro game, and now they're producing. Absolutely, and I, and I just think people get so caught up in. And I know in the media we do this. We focus on quarterbacks, first rounders. After the first round, it doesn't matter. But you just mentioned Jayla Hurts, who was a second rounder. Uh, I know Russell Wilson isn't playing well, but you know he had some good years in Seattle. He was a third rounder. Derek Carr himself was a second rounder. You know, so just because you don't get a quarterback in the first round doesn't mean that quarterback isn't capable of becoming a starter eventually. Now, I think it's prudent for the Raiders to draft a young quarterback because Derek Carr's career, who knows how long he's going to play. You know, you, you can have that guy learn under Derek Carr so that when Derek Carr does step away or he does decide to retire, you have someone to pass the baton on to who could possibly start and maybe compete for the job. But I think the backup position is going to be a conti- I don't want to say revolving door, but a just basically an audition to say, okay, if Derek, if something were to happen to Derek or Derek steps away, we have a guy we believe in that we've been developing over time for years that could take over this offense and run Josh McDaniels' offense without too many hitches on the way. No question. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you go. Dave has the first question. Of course, it was about Derek Carr. Dave, thank you so much for your question from Los Angeles. Uh, still a big hotbed of Raider Nation, clearly. Uh, all right. The second question, Mo, is for you yet again, and it has to deal with Derek Carr yet again. Oh, what a surprise. Yes. Yeah. But it's a short question, uh, and it's a question I think that there's some disbelief or sarcasm built into it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. And that is, it says, hey, Mo, do you believe the Raiders can win a Super Bowl in the next three seasons with Derek Carr? If not, then why keep him? That's from Allen in Las Vegas. Allen, and it's not the... There's a couple Allens in Las Vegas, and I forgot which one this is because we have a couple that, that interact with us on Twitter. But Allen in Las Vegas is putting you on the spot and saying, can they win a Super Bowl with him in three seasons? And if they can't, why would you keep him? I think they can. But I don't think that Carr is the type that's going to carry you to a Super mm. Bowl. So I just want to put that out there. I, I'm not saying he's, you know, Patrick Mahomes, MVP Aaron Rodgers, Something like I'm not saying he's that level of quarterback. What I'm saying is that he's good enough that he gets you to the Super Bowl if the supporting cast around you, if everything falls into place. Now I know, understand everything's not going to be perfect, but if you look at it, did, before Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl, did you think Jared Goff was a Super Bowl quarterback? Mm-hmm. No, but he yeah. he had the parts around him. The Rams stayed relatively healthy that year. They got to the Super Bowl. They had some stars on defense. They had Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, blew up, had the triple crown that year. So not that year in Jared Goff's year, but uh, with Matthew Stafford. But anyway, Stafford, yeah. um, the the supporting cast around Jared Goff got him, helped get him to the Super Bowl. It wasn't all him, but he made enough plays to get that team to the big game. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles, after Carson Wentz did, went down in Philly towards ACL, did you think Nick Foles is a Super Bowl type quarterback? No, but he made enough plays. He's not. He's not a, a top five quarterback. Not a top ten quarterback. 
you look at Nick Foles' career, it's a very strange career to track it. <laughs> but he's yeah. not, you know, probably not even a top 25 quarterback. But he was in a, he was in a specific environment, a specific system with the coach that believed in him. And he helped that team get to the Super Bowl. People said the same thing about Matthew Stafford. I bring up uh, Cooper Cup's triple crown. People were saying, oh, Matthew Stafford just pats his stats. He can't get you to the big game. He didn't get anything with Detroit, you know? And I understand Matthew Stafford, number one overall pick, arm talent, great. But he hadn't done much in Detroit. But guess no. what? He got to the Los Angeles Rams and then won the Super Bowl there. Now, he's hurt again, and the Rams are falling apart. But look, if you could get one Super Bowl year where everything, not everything, but when a lot of things fall into place, the stars you have a strong line. supporting cast, the stars yeah. align, as you just said, you can win a Super Bowl with a quarterback outside of the top 10. Now, I've said this repeatedly. People are going to say, Moses is just a Derek Carr lover. I've said <laughs> this on the show. Derek Carr, in my opinion, is not a top 10 quarterback when it comes to consistency. Maybe in a year here, a year there, he could be a top 10 quarterback and perform at that level, mm -hmm. but... Looking at the entirety of his career, I, I think he's slightly outside the top 10. But we've seen quarterbacks slightly outside the top 10 QB rankings, depending on what rankings you look at, still get to the Super Bowl. And why is that? Because the team around them is strong. Now, I know we give quarterbacks the wins and losses after these games, but as we've always said, it is a team game. And a lot of people will, use, will say this is an excuse, but if you get Derek Carr, let's say, a top 10 defense, you don't think Derek Carr and that Raiders squad with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, healthy, Josh Jacobs, if he comes back, you don't think that team has a chance to win a Super Bowl? I think it does because I think it was CBS that put out the stats. Derek Carr has never had a defense above the top 20. I, I think right. his defenses have been 20th or worse his entire right. career. So you're telling yeah. me if you even have a top 12 defense and, you're, and most of your star players – are healthy. You have a decent, doesn't have to be a great offensive line, a decent offensive line. You're telling me the Rays don't have a chance to win some playoff games? They got to the playoffs with a skeleton roster. So, you yeah. you know, yeah. supporting cast means something. Yeah, That's no doubt. That's the answer question, yes. Absolutely. And so so you look at that situation, too, and, and, you, and I've been saying it for three years. If the Raiders just had a 15 or higher defense, yeah. that's if you're in 15, we've seen teams advance the Super Bowl with lower than 15, but they were so good offensively, and the Raiders are, are there if they get everybody healthy and they put in some, some work on that offensive line. All right, we are up against our first break. When Mo and I come back, we'll get to the rest of your questions here on the Raider Nation mailbag edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. More questions coming up right after this. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back. Second segment here of our Mailbag Wednesday show, the Raider Nation Mailbag, where we take your questions about the Las Vegas Raiders. Mo Moten, Scott Branson, back with you. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and at L-V Gully. So that's where you can follow us, interact with us. All right, we're going to get right back into the questions as we roll through the show. This one, Mo, Josh Jacobs, it says, why wouldn't you pay Josh Jacobs now? Scott, you say you're against it, but the guy is the best in the league. It's insane not to pay him now. That's Larry in the East Bay. And by the way, Larry, on yesterday's show, we had an extensive discussion. If you didn't listen to that show, go back and listen to it as well. But Mo agrees with me on this one as well. And Mo, the, the problem with paying Josh Jacobs now, the pay the man now, as a compliment, I'm okay with that, that, that statement, right? I get some people are saying it just because the guy went nuts Sunday against Seattle and he's had a great season overall. So I get that sentiment. But overall, as a business decision and for a team that still needs to do a lot and for Josh Jacobs, who's still playing in the middle of what is a special season, it would make very little business sense for either side to do something now. Now, that does that mean they can't talk and say, hey, listen, guys, and it doesn't mean that they haven't been talking. That's not that's not the case. They could be talking. But but again, review for me. And, and, and put into words, as you did yesterday, the reasons why you don't pay the guy now. What's the rush? <laughs> I mean, what? Right. Where's he going to go? What, <laughs> what's going to happen? What, what happens if you don't pay him now? What What's the consequence? Yep. Is he going to stop playing football next week because he didn't get his new contract after a, a great game against the Seattle Seahawks? No. So what is the rush? As you said, we don't we're not cheering for bad things to happen. We obviously don't want anyone to get hurt. But Josh Jacobs came into that game. It's crazy. It's silly that he came into this game with a calf injury and still ran like he did. <laughs> but <laughs> let's say he he further tweaks that calf in, that calf, and it's a long term injury. Then what? You just paid a guy and he's hurt. Let the guy finish the season. <laughs> like I said, there's no de- the NFL op. If you haven't noticed, the NFL operates on deadlines. There's a reason why players get traded hours before the trade deadline. There's a reason why players get re-signed hours before the, the tampering period opens. It's because the NFL and, and most businesses operate on deadlines. If there is right. no consequence for for not you know uh, signing a player or giving a guy an extension or a raise, what's the point of giving out the money when you don't have to do it right now? That's, as you said, that's a fan perspective. And I understand that it's out of respect for what Josh Jacobs has done. Yes, he deserves a pay raise. He deserves to get more money. I'm not saying he doesn't. But what I'm saying is from a business perspective, if I'm a GM, what is the rush? If you have an employee, if you have 25 employees and you have one employee who wins employee of the month, three consecutive months, are you automatically going to give him a raise after that? You know, because then that sets a president too, is that it sets a president too, that, okay, so I don't need to play out a full season and have a great season. I just need to have a good few months and I can get a raise because if you give it to Josh Jacobs, then What's stopping another player from saying, well, I had a good three months. I, I'm, I'm underpaid. Why why don't I get a new contract? You know, yeah. so you just can't pay players, you know, in the middle of the season and think, okay, this is the right thing to do. It's just not good business sense. Well, and not only that, but it's also, I think a lot of it is, is based on this false assumption that because his fifth year option, and we talked about this yesterday too, because the fifth year option was not exercised, that somehow that means he won't be back unless they sign him now. 
That's not. Yes, he becomes a restricted free agent at some point. They can tag him. We talked about this yesterday, too. But that does not preclude them from saying, hey, Josh, you're having a great year. We want to talk with your agent now. I know we can't get to terms till the end of the season because we got to see where it ends up. But let's start talking now. Let's leave that door open. Do you want to come back to the Raiders? Great. Okay, let's talk. And then you can even tag him and get gives you until July, right, which you mentioned yesterday, to, to strike a deal with him before the franchise tag kicks in in the new NFL year, and that's his salary. So I think fans just don't have that, that kind of context and agreed, it is the excitement. They don't want him to play on another team. They don't want him to, God forbid, go to the Chiefs or go to the Chargers or the or the Patriots or somebody else where they're going to have to get their ass kicked by him in future years. So I get that. But to your point, there is no hurry whatsoever. Is, is it the Marcus Allen? Uh, <laughs> Marcus PTSD? Allen, yeah. That was painful. Oh, Maybe. boy. I can Maybe I that's tell. what it is. I think it's a little bit of that, but it's also yeah. I think this 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 fan base is tired of seeing guys that do okay with the Raiders or do good things with the Raiders and then leave and, and continue to do really well, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't blame them for that. Yeah. I would be nervous I as well. Larry, I, I Larry and East Bay, thank you for that question. Uh, hopefully we got to that and uh, listen to yesterday's show if you didn't get a chance. All right, uh, one more question this segment, and then we'll take a break and we'll get to our last question and a couple other things in the final segment of our mailbag show here on Raider uh, Raider blah, 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 Raider Silver and Black today, a Raiders podcast. Uh, okay, number four is for you again, Mo. Again, I told you you're a popular guy, Mo. You've been adamant Darren Waller didn't deserve his extension, and you turned out to be correct. There you go. Somebody actually told you you're correct. Um, wow. Does that contract make it easier or harder to trade Darren Waller if the Raiders decide to do that in the offseason? Really good question. Mike from Florida. Mike from Florida. Darren Waller, does the contract make it easier to trade him? Forget the injury stuff because we know that's happening and he hasn't played this year. But but the point of the contract being in place, the, the, the amount of the contract, what are your thoughts on that? So I have some secondhand insider information. I'm not reporting oh. this, but um, just reading Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and Vic Tafer of The Athletic, the Green Bay Packers, now Ian Rappaport said the Green Bay Packers offered a premium draft pick for Darren Wall before the trade deadline, but the Raiders passed because they felt like he was a nucleus guy and they wanted to keep him. Vic Tafer said it was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. So apparently Darren Waller's injury or nor his contract has prevented the Packers from reaching out and saying, we want Darren Wall. We're willing to give up a second round pick because Darren Wall, when he's healthy, let's be honest, is a unique talent. Yes. And I think no as question. long as, as, as long as he is Darren Wall and he's not 35 years old. Now he, you know, he's, I think he just turned 30 in September. Um, he's still in that age range where teams are still going to want him and they're still going to still be willing to trade a second or third round pick for him. So to answer the question in short, um, I don't think the contract really hurts his trade value. I think teams still look at Darren Wall as one of the top three to five tight ends in the league, and he's still going to garner offers if the Raiders are willing to part ways. Now, for now, it seems like the Raiders want to keep him in their nucleus of players, along with Derek Carr, Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, and we'll see about Josh Jacobs. But it seems like Darren Wall is in with the new regime, and they want to keep him around and see what he does while he's healthy. Yeah, and and boy, that makes me nervous because we'll see though if he can come off yeah. IR when he's supposed to, which I think is one more week after the Charger game. If I if I have the 
um, then, but but we haven't heard anything positive about that. So if he doesn't come back, you're talking about two really short seasons, um, and as good and and as 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 much as he can take over a game, Mo. Boy, if if I got a second round pick offer, I don't know that I could turn that down. I mean, just because of the unknowns. There was a Twitter poll. I believe it was Ryan Holmes uh, on the on the waivers podcast. He put shout out to Ryan Holmes on Twitter. By the way, he's a really good, good guy. guy, really yep. good film guy. And he had a four scenarios, I believe, and the, and the scenarios all included basically: Would you want to, you know, keep Josh Jacobs if it meant you had to trade Renfro or Waller? Um, and there was also an option to keep all three, but of course that's going to cost a lot because of Josh Jacobs what he's doing this year. But I, the, I chose option two, which was pay Josh Jacobs, trade Darren Waller, and keep Hunter Renfro. And I say that because I think Hunter Renfro, being as young as he is, now he didn't look anything close to what he looked like last year. But I think with time in the system, I think he'll eventually improve. Darren Waller scares me because since 2021, that's over the last two years, uh, over the last year, he has played in 16 games and he has missed 12 games. So basically, you're paying top dollar for a player who's on the field for half the amount of games, almost half. Yep. It just gives me Trent Brown vibes. And that's, right. I'm not saying that as a disrespect, but I'm saying that if I'm going to pay top dollar for a player, that player has to be on the field more than 60% of the time. And it just hasn't been the case with Darren Waller. No, it hasn't. And that, and that's what concerns me about it, too. And And Foster Moreau has some issues, but he's played pretty well. And you also can have an opportunity. I mean, tight ends, there's some great tight ends early in the draft, of course, which they're not, the Raiders aren't going to uh, dip their toe into that pool. But there are other tight ends later in the draft as well. So you can go young and, and, and try to find uh, somebody who could slot in there with Foster Moreau as well if you, if you bring him back. So, so that, that's a perfect opportunity, I think, to talk about that in the contract. And so um, I appreciate Mike in Florida with the question there, because it's it's a big one, and and it's not that people don't like Darren Waller; they like Darren Waller, but again, you have to have availability. That's your biggest um, um, asset is being available and playing in games. And if you're just not available, it doesn't matter how good you are. Scott, what did I say on Tuesday? It's all about value. Yes, value. What value exactly. am I getting in this place? Not always all about dollar amount of production. It's about value. That's right. All right. We are up against our second break here on the Raider Nation uh, mailbag show here on a Wednesday, silver and black today. Make sure don't forget to subscribe to the show if you don't already do so. Turn on the auto download. That helps Mo and I out greatly. And we certainly appreciate you guys listening and taking part. Also on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe and the notifications button. When Mo and I return, we'll close out the mailbag show with a couple more questions and a little more chat. And then we'll be back right after this message. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, Raider Nation mailbag edition of Silver and Black today. Coming back at you with my broadcast partner, Mo Moten. He is the national writer over at Bleacher Report, NFL writer that is. Also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. Make sure you read his stuff. It is worth all of your time uh, as well. Follow the show SNB Today on Twitter. Follow me at LV Gully. We love interacting with folks uh, as well. All right, we're going to get into these into more questions here and sort of end it again. And I had a question that we queued up. You can see it on the graphic was about Josh Jacobs being hurt. 
if he plays like that hurt, he can be hurt anytime he wants to be because it doesn't matter. Um, but we're going to get into one more question it has more or two more questions. Actually it has to do with coaching Mo. This one says, Hey guys, why did John Gruden get a pass from fans in year one? But Josh McDaniels is already hated by the fan base fan base. He needs more time. That's from Lori in Fresno. And actually Mo, while you're out, I had a conversation, a couple actually online on Twitter about this because fans, I mean, it was it was a few games in, and I know expectations were high, okay? But expectations were high with Gruden, and I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll let you answer, which is this idea that Josh McDaniels, after four or five games, needed to go. He was fired. National media was reporting what a disaster he was in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, you go back to John Gruden's first year, he trades away Khalil Mack <laughs> with Reggie McKenzie, right? They get rid of him, their best player, and underperforms on the field too, and nobody questions it. Tell me, what is the genesis of that? What is the core of why Raider Nation was so quick to turn on Josh McDaniels, but not on John Gruden? Two parts here. Number one, I say, I say both both relate to this one word, past, well, two words, past history. Mm -hmm. Josh McDaniels doesn't have a very good past history. We know what happened to him in Denver. Didn't last long. Drafted Tim Tebow. People bring that up all the time. Oh, he's the guy that went up and drafted Tim Tebow, and he flamed out. And that was a decade ago. They won't let that go. So that's number one. <laughs> so they remember that, and they go, it's happening again. He's still a bad head coach. Number two, the nostalgic effect. People remember John Gruden, and I remember John Gruden from my younger days watching the Raiders. Now, he didn't win a Super Bowl with them. But he had some relative success. They had some playoff wins with John Gruden. So when you think of John Gruden, you think Raiders, the whole Chucky persona. He had some prior success. He had a lot more success prior than Josh McDaniels. John Gruden, by the way, won a Super Bowl with the Bucks. If you don't remember that Super Bowl, probably don't if you're a Raider <laughs> fan. But he won a Super Bowl. He was a Super Bowl winning head coach, and he had prior success within the organization. Josh McDaniels played for an arch rival and flamed out really quickly. So there, there's your there's your short answer. It's, it's the past history is there. So they're not willing to give a guy who failed before a second chance because, as we all know, when you go on Twitter, you go on social media, if you fail once, people say you're a bum forever. You can never redeem yourself. So that's part of the reason why uh, fans have said, look, if it's not working for the first few games, we got to cut ties. And I've always said that that is the wrong approach because turning over at the head coaching position, turning over anywhere in the organization – has not worked out in the Raiders' recent history. No, it has not. Absolutely. Uh, great question again as well. That was Lori. I love it. We're getting at least one question from a female Raiders fan, and and I know our audience is primarily guys. It just you, you can tell that from the data, from the podcast, and from the video. But more and more uh, female Raiders fans are engaged. It's all because Mo is single. I'm convinced <laughs> of that. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and no, to be honest with you, to be just to be honest, really quick, yeah, yeah. there are a lot of, you know, not people going to take people may take this the wrong way, but there are actually a lot of knowledgeable female Raider fans out there Absolutely. that know a lot more than you would think. You would think, oh, they're they're just out there watching the the, the players in the jerseys. No, they they can break things down too, and I, I see it a lot on Twitter, and that's why I also interact with them a lot on Twitter. Yeah, just to show the guys, like, look, this is not just a you know a, a guy thing. You know, right. women can get involved and they they ask questions and they have a lot of knowledge, too. Of course. Well, that's because you're not a misogynist, which is good for the show, by the way. Um, but no, absolutely. And we'll save it because during the offseason, as things slow down, the show continues. 
And one of the off-season shows, I will get somebody from the NFL to talk about the growth of the NFL uh, or somebody from the TV network, somebody, because it's it's unbelievable how women, even merchandise, right? The, you've seen the whole line of merchandise for women because women are, are are huge NFL fans and obviously Lori and Fresno as well. Really quick, not to go yeah. off on a tangent, but just a really quick note. You know, the the first person to take me to a sporting event, which was in the game, was my aunt. She's the yeah. one that got me into sports when I was, you know, a kid and playing outside. And she introduced me to the world of sports, NFL, hockey, basketball, I mean, you know, baseball, all, yeah. all the stuff. She's a diehard Met fan, you know, so I credit her for that. It, it wasn't my dad that got me into sports. It was actually my aunt. Yeah. That's awesome. No, a lot of people with similar stories. Uh, my mom loved Joe Namath and Joe Montana. Uh, <laughs> and she got sports uh, uh, via osmosis from my dad, but nonetheless. All right. Thank you for your question, Lori. We appreciate it. All right. The last question of the day before we get out of here, it says, Mo and Scott, love the show and glad the band is back together. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, why do the Raiders coaches do so few interviews? When I was younger, it seems like coaches uh, seeked out those interviews. Thanks, and hope you're doing better, Mo. That's John in Henderson, right, the home of the Raiders, um, Thanks, asking uh, asking about the interviews. Yeah, thank you, John. I appreciate you asking about Mo. And uh, it's a good question, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past, Mo. And uh, I'll get your reaction to this, but a couple things that I would say to you, John. Number one is the way the media has changed, right? So shows like ours on a big national podcast network – um, didn't exist when you go back even, geez, 15 years ago, really. I mean, they might have been around a little bit, but not to the scale they are now. Number two, you have fan-based media, right? So you have fans doing great media, like our good friend Murph at Murph. Raiders Fan Radio, who's on, and there's a bunch of folks out there we interact with in the, in the um, fan media world as well. And then the biggest difference is technology. And I'll tell you why I say technology. Because the NFL is now its biggest own network, not only on TV, but every... Every football team in the NFL, their website is the highest traffic website when it comes to news about their team, okay? So they own it, number one. They make money off it, number two. And number three, they control the story, right? So for people who are being objective, and it's I'm not putting down the Raiders for not being objective. It's their business, okay? But what has happened is you get interviews with coaches and with Dave Ziegler, um, in the Raiders' case— with people they know are going to be friendly. Uh, and I'm not saying they're dodging it per se. It's just the way the world has changed, Mo. People don't, the media does not have the same type of control, because let's call it for what it is, that they used to. So coaches don't have to get their message out or promote their team through independent or objective journalists per se, because they have a whole studio built right in their own building, their own reporters, their own staff. So why would they do those interviews? Yeah, why walk through a field of hot coal when you can uh, <laughs> just do an interview on a soft landing where you're not going to be pressed on certain things? Now, I'm not, as you said, I'm not saying you know Raiders uh, personnel and organization people are ducking the media, but no. it's also you got to understand that when you go out with these, you know, some, sometimes you don't know what you're getting. These Dave Ziegler is obviously busy trying to build a, a, a Super Bowl winner with the Raiders, so he doesn't have time to vet this uh this this podcast this show our show who is scott go branson who is mo moton you know you, yeah. you don't know what you're, what you're exactly. walking into when you get on some of these shows at least with a mike silver who he has a relationship with i believe mike silver mentioned it that he's had private conversations with josh mcdaniels and and uh, dave ziggler before he had dave ziggler on the volume 
So as you said, if you're go- walking into an environment where you're comfortable with a person, you're more likely to sit down with that person and have an interview. Just think of it as anyone else. Even I'll, I'll personalize a little bit. Like even with me, sometimes people want to have me on the show to talk Raiders or NFL matters. If I'm not really familiar with the show, I may be a little hesitant to go on the show if I'm busy. But if if, if Q Myers, if, if Q Myers was able to have me on his show, right? Of course, that's not the case right now, but if Q Myers uh, sent me a text say, "Hey, I want to have you on," I've known Q for years, so I'm like, right. "Of course, Q." There's trust, you know. I, I, you know, I'll, there's trust. There's a trust level there. But if some person out of out of nowhere, it's like, "Hey, I want you to have you on the show," I, then I have to vet. I have to look at the show. Are they going to try to set me up to say something that I that they want me to say? Is there some type of you know motive behind it? These are things that you have to consider when you're a person uh, considering a, an interview or going on a show. So I'm sure. Me, I'm a low-level guy, but I'm sure Dave Ziegler, who's a GM of a football team, right? You know, he has to be very picky and choosy about where he goes and where he talks. Well, and that's why it's hard. I mean, even some even some beat writers uh, for some of these teams don't get the access they used to. It's just not the same anymore because the NFL is its own biggest media member, so they can control. And again. You go back 30 years ago, the NFL needed the daily newspapers. People read daily newspapers. They don't read daily newspapers like they used to. Yes, they read them online, but their imprint and their impact are far, far smaller. So, yes, that's why NFL Network, that's why the ESPN, ESPN, who pays billions of dollars to broadcast the NFL, will get interviews. They just do. Not that some of these men and women don't develop relationships that lead to those interviews because they do that as well. But it just comes down to it. The NFL now can can get to you, the fan, directly with the message they want to without having to go through us. And so mm-hmm. that's as simple as I can put it. I'm not saying that that's always best for you, the fan, because I think sometimes you want some different answers. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, uh, it's an entertainment product, and they're going to give you what they believe to be is the best sale point. So um, that's how it all works out. But that's just the way things have changed. All media has changed. And that's uh, no different in the world of NFL football. You got to protect your brand. You got to protect your brand. Exactly. Well put. Well put. All right. That's going to do it for Mo and I on this Wednesday edition of the Raider Nation Mailbag. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll turn our uh, focus to the Raiders ahead. We'll give you the latest news on rosters, injuries, and more information as they head into their big game at home at Allegiant Stadium against the Los Angeles Chargers. A chance, Mo. For this team to move into second place in the AFC West, as crazy as that sounds, Chargers coming off a big uh, last-minute win against the Arizona Cardinals, of course. It's going to be a tough game for the Raiders, uh, but one that's got a lot on the line. A lot on the line, and it's in a winnable game. Um, not because the Raiders played the Chargers close, it's because the Chargers' run defense is still atrocious, and with the way Josh Jacobs is playing, uh. gives the Raiders a pretty good chance to come out on top. It does uh, as well. We'll talk about that and have really fun. Mo, glad you're back for your second show in a row. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Thursday. Hopefully I haven't pissed off too many fans with my Derek Carr <laughs> takes and my rants. And they're like, oh, Mo, go back into where you came uh, from. Go back into your cave. We don't need you. We like Scott Solo a lot better. Yeah. A- after after all, Mo, you're a New Yorker. So it's part of your job to piss people off. I mean, that just comes with the territory of being from New York, right? Doesn't it? I mean, I think it does. Uh, but no, it's all great. It's great to have you back. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Also, make sure you do me a favor. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching us there, hit the notifications bell. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, that's what helps out Mo and I 
the most are those downloads. We're number three out of all the NFL podcasts in the Odyssey Network, just behind the Cowboys and the Eagles podcast. So help us do better there. Turn on the auto downloads as well. So we appreciate that. Until tomorrow, uh, this has been Silver and Black today. Mo Moten, Scott Branson. We will talk to you on your Thursday. Take care, everybody.